Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Join Justin Townsend and the Harvesting Nature crew as they explore the world of cooking wild fish and game while sharing recipes, tips, tricks, and lessons learned from their pursuit of wild food. We sure hope you ate before the show, because you're going to leave hungry. This is the Wild Fish and Game Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome back to Harvesting Nature's Wild Fish and Game Podcast. Got your host here, Justin Townsend, and um, tonight, special episode, bring it to you uh, number two for my travels up in the great state of Oklahoma, uh, my home state, many of you know, and tonight, I'm sitting at the table with two very special guests. I will let them introduce themselves, but I'll tell you, they've been on the podcast before, and we'll talk about that in a minute, but let Emily introduce herself first. Well, I'm Emily. And we have Ryan here as well, and we're from The Way We Hunt. Hey guys, glad to be on the show again. Uh, had a great time last time, looking forward to be on again. <laughs> <laughs> no, I heard it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, drinking beer out of a straw. I live in. I can't even take myself seriously right now. Mama said I wouldn't make it. <laughs> All right, so... Uh, sorry, Ryan. Go ahead. Oh. Hey, Ryan here, guys. Uh, glad to be back on the show. Um, we were on, what, two months ago? A no. and a half ago? October. That was more than two months ago. <laughs> um, lots going on, and we're happy to have you here. Happy to, uh, have you in the kitchen, so to speak. We'll get into that later, but yeah. Um, also from the way we hunt, just me and Emily and I. Just a pair of views. The pair of us. And I made a guest appearance tonight, you did. which I'm pretty excited about, and I get a fancy new uh, Way We Hunt hat, um, which you should look forward to on, uh, what's the best way for them to get in contact with you if they're like, 
We really like your hats, which they should, because really awesome hats. So probably right now, um, Facebook, honestly, is probably the best way. Or Facebook. In, or Instagram. Yeah, Facebook or, or Instagram. Instagram. Yeah. You want to tag them in the show notes, uh, so you have a good way to contact them. But, so we last chatted in October. Um, it's now January, so some time has gone by. We talked about awfuls, not like awful things, but uh, the insides of animals um and we kind of made a commitment to try to do better in the upcoming hunting season to retain pieces the wobbly bits as hank shaw said i just released that episode <laughs> today when i edited the uh our top 10 2020 picks uh which if you have a chance go back and listen to those segments but uh in talking about the wobbly bits we Made that commitment, as I mentioned, and I saved some stuff. So I did, uh, I brought back two hearts, two antelope hearts, two antelope livers, and an antelope tongue from Wyoming. And of that, I have left one antelope heart and an antelope tongue. Um, I cooked one liver in a failed attempt, very bad failed attempt at pate, which... I don't know. I think my my problem with it was I didn't soak it in anything, and I just tried to go straight straight into the pate, which may or may not have been a mistake because I was skeptic of soaking, which then spurred my whole spiral of a research project that that is the article um, how to soak venison livers, uh, which which I used milk, salt water, and lemon water. And since then, after publishing that article, I learned that there's many people around the, the world that are soaking livers in different ways in order to make them more enjoyable. So I've learned a lot. Well, meat in particular. Yep. Like, lots of people do a saltwater brine, I guess. I guess you would call it a brine on meats and milk. I mean, all the time mm-hmm. you see people soaking buttermilk. So that article was extremely interesting. I had... I, I read the that. Second article. The second. It's only the second article. <laughs> <I read>. <laughs> <laughs> it was a good article. It was very Thank interesting. You. Learned a lot. It, it was a lot of hands-on research. I, I tried it. Uh, Zoe tried it. My daughter. Um, afterwards, I learned that she told my wife in a car ride that she did not enjoy any of the livers, <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, "Please tell Daddy not to make that again for me." <laughs> so it's fair though. Everybody has their taste in livers. I I'm not. Not 100% sold. Um, I do like pate and things like that, but I'm going to have to play around with the recipes a little more to tune tune up. Yes, that's a word. Level up. Level up. To level up my pate <laughs> recipe before I try it again. Um, do you think it was just the antelope in particular? Or do you think it's liver in general? It could have been the antelope in particular because I don't know. I mixed up... I mixed up the ones I had. Both the livers were from older does. So that could have been a contributing factor because I did learn in my research that older animals will bring on stronger flavors. And it it makes perfect sense when you think about it because the liver being a filter for the blood, that it's essentially the longer you use a filter in like your sink, the more mineral deposits and things it's going to pull out. So in theory, why wouldn't the liver contain more things off-putting flavors? But... Uh, I, I'm going to give it a go again. I may try it with another type of liver before I dive back to antelope because I was 
a little off-put by it. But uh, I'm not going to wipe it off the menu. Just put it on the back shelf till later. But the heart, the heart I was pretty excited about. I did a, uh, a venison heart hash with it, and that one was really good because I took the potatoes and I, I parboiled them. So for those that may not know the technical term, for parboiling, you're essentially going to basically like halfway boil them. So I cut them into small cubes, halfway boiled them, drained them, uh, let them all the water rinse off. And I let them sit in the fridge uncovered overnight because that sucks all the moisture off of them. And then when I crisp them up the next day with little chunks of the venison heart and I use some of the, the Traeger prime rib seasoning, which has a lot of like rosemary and super like meaty flavors. So it, it turned out really well. It was so good. It was kind of like a Colorado omelet. Minus the egg. That makes sense because I made a uh, I made a heart hash as well, but I didn't parboil the potatoes. I did it all kind of. I did the potatoes first, then added in. Well, no, I think I did the heart first, set it aside. Then I did the potatoes for a little bit, added the egg in, and then re-added the heart to it. Uh, so it would finish cooking the heart, and the potatoes were a little not done. Mm. I think it still turned out good, but if I was going to do it again. That makes sense, kind of pre-boiling the potatoes so they weren't so, I don't know, that starchy flavor. Yep, yep. Actually, now that I think about it, did I parboil the potatoes? I may have soaked them overnight in water, which will also take out the starch. Mm. I'll have to double-check the recipe. But the recipe, everything we talked about tonight, uh, recipe links, hat links, all those things will be in the show notes, so you can go back and click that and... I may or may not be wrong, but I'm sure there's fact checkers out there that will tell me I'm wrong <laughs> for my own recipe, but that's okay. Um, either either of the two methods will we'll take out to that starch. I, I kind of like the parboiling idea, yeah. though, because that makes a whole lot more sense than the way I did it. But yeah, and then you can uh, you can actually, it'll, it'll be a quicker cook mm-hmm. in the end. So, um, Makes a hearty breakfast. Yeah. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> um, so outside hard hash, did you guys dabble? Did you guys collect any, any any organ meats? Yeah, so we actually got several hearts. Uh, we went on a hunt in Texas with some friends. Uh, we helped teach a, a long-range shooting school, and one of our instructors brought his son, who had never hunted before, and we took a bunch of the meat or a bunch of the hearts from the animals that they harvested, brought them home, and a few of the livers that were salvageable. And then the uh, just totally went blank. It covers the organs. Call fat. Call fat. The call fat. Yes. Yeah. We got the call fat off of. I don't remember what it was. We got the call fat off of <clears throat> a really big sow. Mm-hmm. Oh, wild hog. Yeah. It and um, it was it was really nice looking. Yep. Um, an axis or. Two axis, axis and a half, because one was kind of meh. Um, That's fair. Yeah, there was there was not a lot left of it. Um, and then the white-tailed doe, but that was from a different hunt. That was Ricky's hunt. But that was the best call fat I've ever seen on. I've never seen animal. so much fat on a deer before. So we live in Oklahoma, and there was a deer that was harvested on a place that we have access to in central Oklahoma. And it was the fattiest deer I had ever seen hmm. in my life this year. I don't know why, yep. but she had the thickest fat everywhere. Not pregnant her. and probably two and a half inches of fat everywhere. Insane. Wow. That's a lot. Yeah. Um, I mean, when you butchered her, she looked like a cow. Did you just the call fat or did you guys keep the call fat or any of the yes. other fat? 
No, we kept. No, that's that's all we kept because we haven't really dabbled much into the other fat. But I mean, it was it was crazy. So we're we're planning a uh, wild game fat episode uh, where we're talking about sort of like rendering and which fats are good, which fats are not, and how to save fat. So uh, I would say stay tuned for that. But I'm I'm curious. I've been practicing on uh, fat from beef brisket to kind of render it down, but. Yeah, none of the, the antelope I got are all super lean. Yeah, we initially actually saved a lot of it, <clears throat> and we bailed on it when it came time to processing. Yeah. We had him and his daughter come here, and we taught her for the first time and him for the second or third, but how to process a deer, how to break it down, okay. how to grind it. And we had been going for like six hours, seven hours, and by the time it got to the fat, we were like, we're, eh. we're over it. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um yeah, I, I'm I'm excited to see what's what's to come of that and what's to come of your guys the organ meats you save. It's pretty good. So all in all we've stayed on to our commitment. Yes. Uh so <clears throat> it should be interesting to see what we can come up with. I think we t- we just took a different spin on it. Not intentionally this year. We we hosted a couple of those veterans hunts and just from questions that were asked from other people, it led us to teaching people about offals. Yeah. About keeping so it was more about, hey, yeah, you can use that. Oh, well, how do you use it? Oh well, Take it out of the, you know, the sack and here's how you, you know, mm-hmm. so I think it was more, we stuck to the guns, but it was more of an instructional aspect unintendedly. That's good. Yeah. Right. It was, it was kind of fun. Kind of like spread the word. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. So, and I think that's, I think getting people more comfortable with eating those things is, is really good. So awesome. And then, um, let's see, uh, we wanted to talk about sous vide. We did. Right. Uh, water circulators, some people know them as. Um, basically, an apparatus, uh, either like a wand-type device or a standalone unit, which I have the standalone unit. You guys have the wand device with the big tub. It basically slow cooks in water, maintaining a constant temperature, uh, whatever item you put in there. And so you're usually going to put it in uh, in a sealed bag either like vacuum sealed uh ziploc bags if you squeeze all the air out of it um anything like that to cook meat or vegetables or whatever i've seen people cook eggs in them people swear by the perfect poached egg come from i've seen that yeah yeah that's one of the recipes i want to try and then i see a lot of recipes on like cheesecake really yes cheesecake yes so like in in jars oh in jars oh okay i could see that you lost me for a second. I was picturing like, cheesecake like in a Ziploc bag, <laughs> sideways. Squeeze it out. I'm like, mm. yeah, because technically, what sous vide is the translation is under vacuum. Mm-hmm. So yeah, a, a, a big fluffy cheesecake under vacuum. I don't think would be fluffy. No, mm. no, I don't think so. But I could see it in jars. Yep, that would be cool. And then I've seen a lot of people do uh, like blueberry vodka infused stuff so they do like fruit infused alcohol in the sous vide that's pretty cool also in jars huh. so they're basically pasteurizing it mm-hmm. uh i see because they're bringing uh the, they're not bringing the alcohol to temp so that it would burn off mm-hmm. but it's enough that it'll it'll uh pull the extract out of the fruit into the yep. alcohol oh that makes sense yeah that'd be hard to do on a stove Without like hitting like the maybe not a flash point, but a point where you're burning off alcohol. Yeah, I think just that it's that consistent temperature would be a hard yep. thing to. to well, maintain. and because it's enclosed. Oh, there's that. Because if you say like <laughs> if you think about how you you produce alcohol, you have 
the alcohol there and then you condense it. Sure. And so as that alcohol vapor leaks off, you're essentially making more potent alcohol. But since it's enclosed, I wouldn't want to overheat it though. You need it with like a bomb. <laughs> yeah, a bunch of little <laughs> mini stills in your sous vide machine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but either way, sous vide is great for wild game because it allows you to maintain that slow, low cooking, but also retains the moisture in the meat. Uh, so you're not going to lose a lot uh, in the cooking process because it's all contained in one. And I think that's probably the biggest thing. Like you can add a lot of stuff to it too. Yep. So you can put your sauces, your marinades. Like you can literally vacuum seal a marinade or a soup or whatever you want inside there. Put it in the fridge, let it set for a couple of days, and then put it in the the sous vide and let it cook. And it's yep. just going to be the flavor is going to be even more infused. Yeah, and what <clears throat> I mean, this was kind of a uh, this was a Christmas gift for Emily, um, but you know, researching it after the fact and it's another thing it allows a lot more leeway for those people that don't want to babysit their food Mm -hmm. so you can throw a piece of wild game or steak or whatever and let's say you're you set it at 130 it's never going over 130 so it buys you some time if you if you need to run out to the store if you need to do something and you don't you're not going to pull it off at exactly two hours if you leave it in there for an extra half hour extra 40 you're okay yep it changes maybe some of the consistency I've read a lot and experimented a little bit like fish I yeah, think, it, I think you can screw the fish up by doing that. It can turn it more mushy a little bit, but it's never it's always medium rare or medium well or well whatever the temperature you set you can yeah. never go over that. You just cook it at that temperature for longer which changes the consistency but not the doneness. So yes. we we've done a couple of those experiments and it's really weird to leave a steak in there for like 3 or 4 hours and you're and thinking I'm burning the heck out of this. You thing. pull it off, reverse sear it and you're like, "Wow, this is great." That was amazing. Yes, yeah. exactly. Um we did during Thanksgiving, we actually uh sous vide duck breast. Nice. And I did like a a great recipe that that I always go to. It's like a a pumpkin cream sauce with gnocchi and seared duck breast, but we did the reverse sear. We put the duck breast in the sous vide for like 2 hours and then pulled them off and seared them. And oh my gosh. So good. Um, Which I feel like is probably the only way that you can eat duck breast. It doesn't, it's not bad. Yeah, you're not, <laughs> not a duck fan? No, re- remember on the awful thing we were talking about? I do. I mean, yeah, I'm not, not a fan of You would have liked it, so last night we recorded and we did a, a taste test of three different duck. We cooked them the same way, but uh, so I was, I was cook, or hunting with two of my cousins and one of their friend, and... Uh, he does not like to eat shoveler. Okay. That and, makes sense. But, so I always take that cue as like, <laughs> there's probably a way I can cook it that you're going to like it. Mm-hmm. But anyway, uh, we did the we did the three taste tests. So I put them in the smoker, uh, red wine in the bottom, season salt and pepper, hit a splash of red wine vinegar in addition to that, coated them in olive oil, put them in the Traeger, uh, cooked them 15, 20 minutes covered, 15, 20 minutes uncovered, and then we did a taste test. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had, out of all the three, yeah, he liked the shoveler the best. Really? Yeah. So I was pretty stoked about that. That's awesome. Yeah. Made me happy. Uh, I also liked the shoveler the best, too. Not really like a, a fishy taste or a, a weird taste of the bottom of the pond. Of mud. <laughs> of mud. Yeah. No, it was good. Um. 
So, with that said, Suvi's way to go. I like it. We we've had ours for well since Christmas, and we've cooked quite a bit on it. Um, it hasn't left the kitchen. It's not been that appliance that you use once and it gets put back in the box. It's just oh, we want to do Suvi tomorrow. <laughs> well, or, I mean, it, it's or later today. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's easy to do. So, um, I know you guys have been making some great videos too with it. Um, what what was the first thing you cooked out of it? Well, we did just steak, just to try, just some steak that uh, my parents brought down for Christmas. It was just beef steak, mm-hmm. and we tried it for the first time, and it was good. They were thinner steaks, so. Um, I'm the only one in my family that likes rare. So mine was definitely not rare because everybody else wanted <laughs> <laughs> a more well-done steak. But, I mean, I, I was sold on it after that. How did you guys do it? Did you just put the steak in there? Did you put seasoning in with it? I think we just did salt, pepper, and garlic powder. That was it, yeah. Yep, that was just it. Kept it real simple. And nice. then a flamethrower at the end. Because <laughs> life. You know. Yeah. You need everybody a needs a flamethrower. Yeah. To sear it. And then after that, that was that's the only non-wild game we've done in it. That was the first one that we tried. And then after that, we did some backstrap. And the, the, I think the very next thing um, was a test run for a video that we just released. But oh, that's um, right. I got some store-bought uh, tikka masala, masala from a, a recommendation from a friend of mine down in Houston. And so I wanted to taste kind of what the canned tastes like first. So we sous vide some. We mixed basically some elk in axis we had and cubed it up and actually i just dumped the it was a complete experiment i dumped the entire bag of tiki masala into the into the 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 jar into the bag yeah the whole just dumped it right into the bag did the water immersion we don't have a uh it's the big vacuum sealer chamber seal we don't have a chamber chamber, yeah yeah we don't have chamber sealer so it's kind of hard to do liquids so we just did the ziploc water immersion you know dip it down in there and it burps all the water out there Yeah, yeah and we just cooked that um, for like three hours at 130 degrees with the sauce in it, everything, nothing else. Um, and it was off the charts phenomenal. The only thing that wasn't, it was just 130 degrees sounds hot, but once you plate that, it's not super hot. So we just heated it up real quick, but it was fantastic. Um, nice. And elk and the axis were tender as it was, because I, I believe they were, they were probably, I think, backstrap chunks that we had had left over. Mm-hmm. And we just... Stuck them in there, so they were already tender. But then the sous vide just made them stupid; they just fall apart in your mouth. Oh man, that sounds great! Yeah. I'm hungry all over again. <laughs> yeah, that was the second thing, and I think that may have been the next day. So I think we opened it. We opened it. We opened it. <laughs> uh, cooked the steaks, and I think the next day made that. Okay. So it, we there wasn't a long, a long draw in there. Um, did you do so? Sorry. How, so how did you like the canned tikka masala? I really enjoyed it. Um, it reminded me more of what I think I was used to. I hadn't had it in a while from a real authentic restaurant. Um, really strong, really strong cumin flavor, really strong uh, garam masala flavor. Um, kind of kind of a th- thinner sauce. Mm-hmm. Um, so there wasn't a lot of soupiness left to it. It was just more coated on the meat itself, which was not bad. It was very, very good. Um, but then we ended up taking it a step further in a video we put out. We actually made our own, um, and compared the two, but they, they were both phenomenal. Um, I had a different flavor the way we did it the first time though with the elk and the axis, because the meat cooked in with 
the masala. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of those juices were intertwined in there. So it was what basically the broth and stuff from the meat cooking mixed in. So it came, it gave it a really, really unique flavor that was even different from the video we just put out where we tested, where we tested the, the jar and our homemade stuff. This was even different than that. Oh, wow. Okay. So it was a, something I didn't even think about. And I was like, oh, yeah, it's the broth in there mixing with it. So. Yep. I could see that. What did, what did you think of it? I liked it. And then when we, um, I think you guys are actually going to feature our recipe on your website at mm-hmm. the end of January. And I've had maybe tikka masala like one time almost 10 years ago. So I like what Ryan was saying, when we made the homemade stuff, it was a little thinner, I guess, soupier version than the stuff that came out of the jar. So like the flavor that came out of the jar, but like the consistency of our homemade stuff. But, you know, we just kind of made up the homemade stuff and, you know, we can tweak it later and add more cumin or more, you know, any, anything at that point. Yeah. And, you know, you can, if you don't like the soupier version, all you do is just simmer it longer to kind of Dipping render it down up. that. Yeah. Yep, yeah. yeah we added coconut liquid. milk to the end of it and you could even cut down on that and simmer it longer and it's going to, it's going to thicken up on you. So. Mm-hmm. It was definitely the, our version was definitely more, uh, vegetable based, vegetably. Uh, it's a lot. It was a lot fresher <laughs> consistency to it. That the taste, the smell, the aroma that came off of it, um, was definitely a lot, a lot more fresh. So. Or you could add a corn starch or tapioca starch to it mm-hmm. to thicken it up. Thicken it up at the yep. end. Yeah. Yep. That's what I was thinking about too. But Ryan said that he really liked kind of that more thin consistency that. It, it came up with the ones that we made. He says he thinks it's more uh, yeah, I think traditional. It's more, I think it's more traditional. I mean, every place that I've ever been that's had tiki masala, it's been, that it was that was traditional. It was been more of a, more watery based. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I can get a spoonful of it along with, along with the meat. So yep. I really, really enjoyed that. It's a, yeah, kind of think of it like a, a soup and a sauce. Sure. One, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Um, so what's the next thing you guys cooked after the tiki masala? Did you did you sous vide any of the bear or the hog for your sausage balls? No. Okay, so then that would it would be uh, wild hog pork chops. Ooh. Oh yeah, yeah. So I just did a real basic um, salt, pepper. Ooh, those look good. Olive oil, uh, yeah. garlic. I don't know if there. Uh, Oh, and then I put rosemary, fresh rosemary. So our our garden made a lot of rosemary this year, and right before the freeze, I harvested all of it and just threw it in the freezer. And so I just have a bag of fresh rosemary in there that we've been using quite a bit of in the off-season. And Ryan's (laughs) Ryan's, uh, pork chops turned out super tender, and my pork chops were a lot more tough, and I don't know why. They were cooked exactly the same, Two different bags, but cooked exactly the same. So I don't know if it was just because it was just a Dif- different diff- animal. Nope, they were the same animal. Different portion. Different portion of the back strap. I was about to say four aft. Four yeah. aft <laughs> of the big. Yeah. The front. The front portion or the back portion are unknown. The port and the aft. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we. It, it was really weird because I she I was actually editing a video. She hands me mine. I was like, wow, this is so good. She's a little tough kind of looked at her like you're crazy and so i had her try mine she's like no it's completely different than i tried the one she had and it was um yeah it was super bizarre but and it wasn't tough tough no no definitely not tough tough i mean but still was not what i had experienced 
with us cooking sous vide up to that point. So I was a little surprised, but I don't, I don't know. I guess it's just something that happens with wild game, you know, is what it is. But it still had, I mean, gosh, it was great flavor. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was pretty off the charts good. Um, And then the turkey that we did with the tikka masala, because I guess chicken is the normal thing that you do with tikka masala. Yeah, I think so. It's more traditional, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, so we used uh, turkey breast from a turkey that I harvested back in the spring. And, I mean, you didn't even need the tikka masala to go with it. I mean, it was the most amazing thing. So we did the sous vide with the turkey breast. And then we put it on our Rectech for an hour, and the broth I had made inside the bag, I basted it every 15 minutes for an hour on the Rectech on the low setting with rosemary. And, ugh, I mean, we I was a little concerned because it's, you know, it's wild game mm-hmm. that it was going to be too tough, and it definitely was anything but. It yeah. was probably, the, well, we're probably never going to do turkey breast again any different than in sous vide and then on the smoker. Yeah, that was a game changer. I'll probably we'll be doing that for Thanksgiving for other people. I mean, it was crazy good. Did you use the rosemary's like the brushed based? No, so I had put uh, butter and uh, rosemary and just salt in the bag. And then once we pulled it out of the sous vide, I put it all on the, on the Rectech and I left the rosemary on the breasts, just like kind of in a, a cross or whatnot, and I just took a basting brush and just basted mm-hmm. it over the top of it, so I left the rosemary on the turkey breast the entire time. You can see a lot of people use the rosemary mm-hmm. as the brush. Mm-hmm. Right. But it's that's a very, popular, very yeah. popular thing to do. It's a nice visual. Yeah. Especially if you tie it and all the sprigs together. Yeah. You get a little broom. Looks super nice. Yeah. But I wanted to leave the rosemary on it yeah. where it was. And yeah. It turned out so good. Yeah. Probably will never do a turkey breast if we're just doing that differently or if you just want that the flavor on it was so good and you could taste it even when it went mixed in with the tikka masala it was unreal i'm gonna have to try it that way that it sounds really good yeah super tender for wild turkey a lot of people complain that wild turkey you know gets dried out and Mm -hmm. stuff this was as tender or if not more tender than a store-bought one in my opinion when we've done both and this was it was way good so many people listening to this would think we're like selling the sous vide (laughs) <laughs> but uh, any yeah. down any downsides you've noticed? Anything? Well, it's not the end-all, be-all to everything. So, I mean, like, um, we were watching something about uh, brisket. Mm-hmm. And we were watching a guy, and he did brisket traditional way, and he did it sous vide way. And the brisket sous vide kind of turned it into almost a steak mm-hmm. versus what a traditional brisket on a smoker would be. So, if you want that traditional way of cooking a brisket then you still need to stick with the smoker. You don't need to sous vide it. But if you want to take a brisket and you want to turn it into a steak, then do it sous vide. Hmm. So, I mean, it completely changed the the flavor of the brisket. Oh, man, I wonder. Yeah, because you're, you're not, you're losing that fat. And you're not re- you're not rendering the fat. The yeah, fat's yeah. just, hey, I'm just warm now. Hey, I'm here. Um, <laughs> I think another big thing um, that people need to be prepared for, and, and some people it's not, um, when you cook something sous vide and you pull it out, it is not, it is cooked to temperature. Mm-hmm. The char marks and the things that you see yeah. on a grill are not there, and it, it's very off-putting. You can look at a steak. We saw that tonight. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Gator tail is not a visually <laughs> appealing <laughs> appealing <laughs> item when you pull it out of sous vide. It looked like a big fillet of cod. Yeah. It did. Yeah. I was like, oh. I mean, the steaks are gray usually when they come out. They look like. 
they've been decomposing on your counter for a week and <laughs> microwave steaks yeah absolutely <laughs> um so you got to be kind of prepared for that um there is obviously the the space side of it you know they they do take up some room uh if you if you want to get one of the ours is i think the pro model of the brand we've got but i think it's a thousand or twelve hundred watt item so you're running a 1200 watt item for you know four or five six hours mm-hmm. depending on what you're cooking so there's electricity so there, there are some drawbacks to it um, it is very easy to use, but then again, you, there's a finishing step always, usually a yep. searing process, uh, something like that. So it's not a, it's not necessarily a one and done. It's just a, a different way of doing it. Um, and if, if you enjoy cooking, if you want to put some time into it, then yeah, I think it's a cool move. And you will need a vacuum sealer if you're not right. putting wet ingredients in there. So, I mean, I guess you could always do the water immersion always but if you're doing like a dry rub on something then the vacuum sealer is the way to go so once you buy the sous vide then there's another expense that you're looking at yep yeah that's true um my buddy for the space saving um he has just the wand but he just uses like a stock pot mm-hmm. that he already has so that's kind of it mine's like a whole inline system so it's essentially like a stainless steel box with everything already built into it, and you pour the water inside of it, and it kind of regulates the temp. So no need for a wand, but it's not; it doesn't circulate the water. It just brings the water to that temp. So there's a heating element in the bottom. Yeah, yeah. Huh. it's different. That brings up another. I mean, that, you know, people a lot of times you have to make sure whatever you're using stays underwater. That's a whole other thing. That let me. So there's usually a clip involved. Or, yep. I mean, you start putting like, stuff in, it starts floating to the surface, and you're like, like, well, that's not supposed to happen. Racks and clips and... Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. So, but technically, if you get the air out of it, like, it, it most times sinks. I've seen people use coolers. Oh, yeah. Especially doing big things like whole pigs, stuff like that. They'll use coolers and and stick several sous vide wands down in there or something. But, I mean, you can think a cooler's going to keep... It'll keep, keep a good temperature. Yeah, absolutely. Um, some people use briskets like that, too. There's a lot, and even price range. I mean, you can get some in the lower hundreds. You can get some off-brand ones below 100. Uh, you can go all the way, you know, two, three, four, five hundred dollars. Uh, I think the ones you guys have, you have the Nova, right? Yeah, the, it has the app. Yes, I think that's a cool feature. Mine doesn't have that. It's just a box. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's. It's definitely. It's got some tech tech whistles and bells on there if you, if you like the tech stuff um, you can monitor it from away from the house even um, so that's kind of that's kind of handy oh so mine's a sous vide oven oh and then you have an immersion circulator that's what you guys have gotcha just a little magic yeah <laughs> poof <laughs> harry potter that's right <laughs> and it does and the one we have it'll it, it says it will accommodate a lot of different pots and pan or not pans but pot sizes and, and so forth so Yep, and th- there are some restrictions on on those sizes too. So be yep. careful if you are looking for one. Be sure you're choosing something that's within uh, within the size that you want. I think ours does 16 liters of water, something around yes. that. Yep. Uh, I remember the first time I was telling you telling you all this earlier, but I remember the first time I ever saw um, the a sous vide machine or something similar. When I was working in San Diego in the kitchens, and we came in, and this was like 2010, and we were using it for for lobster tails, and it was like a it was a very forward thinking thing to do because that's the only thing we used for the kitchen. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: the roast of Tom Brady. 
a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Yeah, so CVs, I, I think it's pretty good. Do you guys have any other any other recipes that you, you've done since then? If uh, not, we... I just did some baby back ribs. That was another mm. non- uh, wild game recipe that we tried because I just wanted to try ribs because I had never personally cooked ribs. Ryan always does the ribs, and he was afraid that if we did wild game ribs that it wouldn't be that good or that it might kind of be a waste of time because there's hardly no meat on them. Oh, man. Oh, yeah? Wild game ribs? Uh, they're fantastic, but they are a lot of work for like a little payout. You like to fry them? Oh, yeah. Deer so ribs. I latched on to... Uh, meat eaters method of doing it out of the meteor cookbook and uh crock pot six to eight hours i put beer in the bottom though and then i rub them down they do they do it a little different but i put beer in the bottom and i rub them down with a spice six hours in there and then put them on the grill high heat sear barbecue sauce sear again that's my favorite way but nice. yeah but yeah these ribs turned out yeah i you're mean getting this much meat yeah. unless you leave the flap uh, like oh yeah the side flap on there then you get you know, another half inch. But these ribs were phenomenal because we did, I did them sous vide. I don't remember. I think like 145 for 14 hours. And then I pulled them out and I put them on the rec tech for two hours, maybe. Smoke them. Yeah, smoked yeah. them. And I took uh, just a barbecue sauce and just kept basting them. And it turned out fantastic. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Mouth noises. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I, I just did the <laughs> barbecue sauce. <laughs> 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 that sounds good. Lots of, it no, fits in line. Back throat. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> fits in line with our new uh, our new podcast intro, which is like it tells a, a, a it tells a story in the first few seconds, but it's there's no words. It's just all audio, and mm. so it's it's noises. So go back and listen to it. It's like ducks honking. Mm. A shotgun fire, then a splash, an over exaggerated like sploosh, <laughs> which I laugh. It makes me laugh every time I hear it. And then uh, it's like somebody putting a pot. Oh wow, somebody putting a pot on a uh, the pan, and then um, a pot on the pan. Somebody putting a pan <laughs> on the stove. Yeah, sizzling <clears throat> noises. Gas. Uh, yeah. And then and then it goes into the whole spiel. Nice. Yeah. Yeah pretty good i'll show you guys after this but yeah it's great go back and re-listen to it if, if you haven't i'm sure you heard it if you started this episode because we launched it on the first episode of 2021 yeah there we go but uh, i don't know why we got down there. <laughs> <laughs> thought it was a good time to talk about the podcast intro there you go but either way um so man it's a lot of stuff for cv mm-hmm. it's good though yeah it's 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 um i'm sure we'll Right now, we're just leaning into it pretty hard just because it's new and uh, it's fun. And we're kind of experimenting, but I think we'll just use that. I mean, it's going to eventually find its way around to just kind of working its way into mm-hmm. our normal cooking routine. And it won't be an everyday thing like right now. It kind of is. But um, it, it'll, it'll come around to where we're going to pick and choose the best parts about that and utilize it the best way, I think. Yeah. I, uh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. I just want to say that, you know, because our recipes, we want to make sure that anybody can make our stuff. So I know doing sous vide 
is not in everybody's wheelhouse or budgets. So, you know, we'll do some stuff sous vide, but we're going to continue continue our traditional way of cooking to make it where everybody can make our stuff. Like three ingredient meals. Yes. Three ingredient meals. Hint, hint. <laughs> um, Spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> so I did, uh, speaking of second spoiler alert, <laughs> I did uh, Dove, uh, Peking Dove. So took all the sauce you do for like a, a Peking duck. I, d- I did a lot of research on this to figure out. There's a lot of uh, traditional aspects to like Peking duck uh, that I tried to impart in a Peking dove recipe. But essentially, I put the dove uh, with all the sauces in the sous vide and cooked it till the the dove were done, uh, almost done, and then pulled them off, put them on the grill, gave them a nice sear. And it, it really retained oh, so much flavor. It was good huh. with some like pickled vegetables. That recipe I have live, so that'll be on the show notes I do too. Like, I do like Peking meals though. Yeah. That sounds good. Yeah. Um so tonight though, in uh this awesome night of being in, in Oklahoma, we I helped you guys prepare uh a sous vide recipe. Mm-hmm. You wanna talk about it? Yeah, well, you pretty much did most of it. Why well, did the shopping? <laughs> you guys did the glamorous part of like <laughs> Use everything. I just chopped vegetables, <laughs> but no, no, no. Um, so what? We made an allig- a sous vide yeah. alligator salad. That's it. Yeah, which was insane, and yeah. actually really, really good. Really good. So we gotta we gotta break it down because a sous vide alligator salad sounds disgusting. I <laughs> <laughs> like salad and alligator in the sous vide, but no, it's like uh, I I guess you got you guys. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, so we took. Um, just a little over a pound of alligator tail that we had, uh, had back and we sous vide it for three hours, I believe at 145 degrees, 134, one, oh, wow, that's way off, <laughs> 134 degrees for three hours, just added salt, pepper, olive oil, and garlic to it and did a water immersion in it, made it super tender. And then the rest of the recipe was super simple. It was just celery and a honey crisp apple. Let's see. Um, oh, walnuts that we uh, toasted, a zest of a lemon, Dijon mustard, curry powder, mayonnaise. Oh, let's see. Cumin and scallions. That was it. And we chopped all those ingredients up, mixed it together, chopped it up with the alligator, and it made a salad. And then uh, Justin made the, oh, gosh. Was it, words are hard. I know. I just totally went blank. Collard greens. Collard yes. greens. Collard greens. Collard green. Which my daughter <laughs> said was okay. Yeah. It was the onions. <laughs> she didn't like, like the onions. Yeah, the onions. Were like, uh. Yeah, and he uh, made collard greens for the side. Now, I'll tell you, on the alligator salad, what, what, the way the the ingredients came together, I know there wasn't, and I'm still hanging on to it, I know there wasn't ginger in there, but the way the, I don't know if it was the cumin and the apple mixed together or something, would just, I mean, it was, it was just a really light refresh. I wouldn't have never guessed it was alligator. If I didn't know it was in there, didn't watch you cook it, didn't watch you yep. chop it up, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have said alligator. It was, uh, what was it, like um, the curry powder. Could have had some ginger in it. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I, I think that was it. And it maybe just popped when it mixed with the, uh, probably the lemon, I'm guessing. Yeah, it was super good, though. And very simple and took, like, no time. I mean. 
It took longer to film than it did to cook. I mean, yeah, I mean, but it was good though. I really liked it. My wife tried alligator for the first time, which yeah. I'm pretty stoked about. Your daughter seemed to like it. She liked it a lot. Yeah, she likes the fact that it's wild. One, two, it's alligator, which she's never had, so it's she's pretty interesting. Cool factor there. Yeah. Um, and it's a different way to cook alligator. It's not the traditional way of cooking alligator. Yeah, with the bites. Yep. So we're we definitely trying to move away from the <laughs> traditional ways traditional of cooking ways of cooking. Foods. Yeah. Which falls up to our our second uh, item of the night that we cooked, which don't know how we ended up on it, but we did. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I made mention was like I have a I have squirrel, and you're like, oh yeah, I got dove too, and I was like. Cool, we can do with Dove. I remember a, uh, a venture up to one of the Florida wildlife management areas where we were hunting Dove and only shot like one or two and took the Dove breasts, the meat, and put them inside croissant dough, made like a little fluffy pastry croissant and cooked it in the Dutch oven over the campfire. And I was like, we could do that. That should be pretty simple. We can put it on the smoker and um, you know do something with it. And I was like... What about like a mini, like mini beef Wellington, but like a Dove Wellington? And they kind of spawned this whole idea of, of wow. So that's what we ended up with, with uh, the croissant dough. So just like over, over, over the counter. <laughs> <laughs> Those tags are hard to get this time yeah. of year. <laughs> you get a script for that special croissant dough. They were left over. <laughs> um, this regular pre-made uh, croissant dough like you get in the... The biscuit aisle. I guess that that's a place. <laughs> I think it's a place. Yeah. Um, Definitely a section. Yeah. Uh, so that and we took the dove breast meat and coated it with stone ground mustard. You could really use any mustard. Um, yellow if you want. I'd probably do like a German sweet mustard. I think would be good too. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked about maybe a little bit of cheese inside there. We didn't put cheese, but you could have. Uh, and then you take kind of square up the slice of the, the triangle triangle yeah and then fold that around it um so it was a three ingredient of wellington yep yeah and it oh my gosh turned out so good and so simple oh yeah you, you could doctor that thing up as is fancy as you want fancy as you want yeah. yeah absolutely i mean you could go straight like traditional wellington if you wanted you could do like mushrooms and uh scallions and pate and uh, i mean you could go you down it but that Big rabbit hole. I think the way we did it, something that you could recreate in camp, you can recreate yeah. that. Just And you know a lot of these places you go to, especially on some trips that we've been on recently, or hunting trips, you walk in, the only thing that's open on the way back is like the one gas station slash bait store slash mm-hmm. grocery store. Which slash o- ammo store, slash if ammo, there's ammo. Which, oddly <laughs> enough, all carry biscuits. That's right. Like <laughs> canned biscuits. That's right. You're like, what? It's like beer, Gatorade, coffee drinks, energy drinks. Biscuits. <laughs> okay. Yep. So yeah, I think that's something you can find most anywhere, and that's easy to transport even if you could. It's I think you could do it with biscuit dough too. Mm-hmm. I don't think it'd be a problem. No, be easy. the same way. Yep, it'd be probably absolutely. really good. Um, but yeah, look for that. We we did videos of both, so that'll be up on the the way we hunt page. Uh, we'll also they'll be at some point make them over to the Harvest of Nature page as well. Mm-hmm. That's right. Um, but I think those those were two really great recipes. That I'm excited about. Um, and they weren't the traditional dove poppers. No, they weren't traditional dove poppers. Well, if you know, if you've listened to me long enough, I'm not <laughs> a big fan of dove poppers. I think there's a place for jalapenos and bacon and cream cheese and 
Dove, but I'm not sure that they should commingle as much as they do. They're good. They're tasty, yes, but there's a whole other world of flavors out there. I'll try it. Like canned biscuits. <laughs> <laughs> like croissants. Yeah. That Justin doesn't know how to open. No, clearly not. The skill I have mastered. <laughs> cans, are, cans are hard. <laughs> cans of biscuits are difficult. Um, let's see. Um, I think we went through all the recipes, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, that's so. what we did tonight. Yeah. I like it when we're able to take something, one of our videos that we've done, and then link it to a food. Like, for instance, the turkey uh, tikka masala that we did. If you look back, the turkey that we used was the one that Emily also showed everybody how to completely um, deglove an entire turkey whole. Um, how to completely peel back the feathers and skin on an entire turkey, and you're, so you're just left with what a lot of people think traditionally is in a store. Um, mm-hmm. there's a lot of, there's a lot of internet and YouTube searches going on around Thanksgiving. It's like, Hey, how do I, you know, most people will just cut the breasts out. And yeah. How do you skin a whole turkey? Yeah, how do you skin yeah. a turkey? Yep. Um, and so it's, it's a video we did back in the spring. Yeah. Back in spring. And we were just able to bring that here. And so that's something I think we're going to try to do more of as a way to just to kind of go full circle with a lot of the stuff. That way, if people really want to, they can just watch hours of looped footage of <laughs> that's <Yes>. right <laughs> that would be great turkey tiki masala down to cleaning a turkey down to or actually i guess it would be vice versa how do i clean a turkey to how do i cook turkey tiki masala yep yeah yeah so that was kind of fun to do that was the first one we've done like that and i had a lot of fun doing that that's awesome um anything else you guys want to bring up we may be going bear hunting in June if Canada opens their borders. So yep, we've got a, we've got another bear hunt lined up. It's paid for. Uh, it's uh, everything's set. We're just waiting on the on the gate to open. Yep. So and that would be that. a really great long video if we get to go. Yeah, it'd be the same place as our last bear hunt video. We're going to be taking some really special friends up there with us um, from up at Two Hats Ranch and then down at Three Forty Five Ranch. So we got our Michigan friends that do a lot of veteran stuff with us, and then. Our Texas friends that do the same thing. We're kind of bringing them together to go on a big hunt together. So Nice. Yeah, it should be a lot of fun. We're looking forward to that. Um, we just launched uh, part three of our Two Hats Ranch 2020 special youth challenge hunt. So Emily went up there for a week. They take seven kids, six kids. I think they were six this year. Six. Mm-hmm. Um, and they take them on, basically it's, if not the first time hunt, it's, it's a very, they're very new to hunting and all these, all these kids up there have special challenges one way or another. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's so cool just to go up there and hang out with them and talk to them and see the excitement on their face and, you know, them learn how to hunt, whatever. So very, or, very touching stuff. Or kids that never thought that they would ever be able to hunt and they have special equipment up there that allows these kids that like one of them was able to use like a mouthpiece to shoot his gun. Oh, wow. Yeah, because he was unable to, to shoot his gun. So I think that was the first first video that you've done, or have you done that one No, nope, no, nope, that one's coming up. Okay. Um, we just released part three. We're trying to do them once every week or every couple of weeks to allow each kid to kind of have their own their own moment, mm-hmm. you know, um, on, on the on the internet. Their spotlight. Yeah, on the, yeah. On the interwebs. And then uh, we're going to do a, a big combined video after that. But uh, Parker was our last one. Um, it's a very special little guy, and he that, so that's the, that's the latest rendition. That's part three. So I think part four is launching here. Probably this week, but y'all stay tuned for that. We're having a lot of fun doing those. Sweet. Um, yeah, definitely go over and check that out. Um, as we're winding down, um, last thoughts, takeaways, alibis? I'm just glad we... that you came up. Yeah, I'm glad I got to come up too. I, I haven't seen you in person since 05. 
<laughs> yep, yep. Since we not to date ourselves, but <laughs> since we graduated high school, yeah. So yeah, it's been a long time, but it was good because I brought the family up. They got to meet yep. you, hang out for a bit, uh, pet your dog, yeah, uh, watch TV. Cat screamed at them. I mean, it was a great yeah. time. It was good. That's right. My ten-month-old <laughs> screamed at the cat. Yeah, and waved. So <laughs> that was great. And yeah. he uh, he gave lots of uh, verbal background noises. Yes. Yes. So made an appearance in all the videos. He yes, did. he did. <laughs> yes, he did. So Ryan, you got last thoughts, alibis? No, just stay tuned uh, for more. Well, I guess from us and you, um, mm-hmm. I think we're gonna be doing a lot of cool things in the future. We got some cool stuff lined up. Um, kind of kicked around the idea of tonight of some cup of some trips, maybe uh, co co mingled trips. So mm-hmm. collab collab. Uh, going on there so yeah we're just really excited to kind of be part of the team and thanks for having us all yeah absolutely it was fun thanks for having me up and uh providing alligator and and dove wellingtons <laughs> they were delicious <laughs> and uh look forward to next time i will say this i should have plugged it in the front but i'll talk about it now uh we are still doing hats for reviews so they've been slowly trickling in uh once i get back to home and we start back up on our regular podcast intervals uh we will be reading more of those five star reviews and giving away hats so all our podcast links now have the ability to hit a link will take you to a page where you can rate the podcast so you can rate it and leave a review those written reviews give you an opportunity to get a free harvesting nature hat so we'll give you a shout out on the podcast read your review and then you pick the hat, we'll send it to you. Which Ryan actually won one of them, and he's wearing it right now. Yeah, I didn't realize it was him until after <laughs> I ordered it, and I was like, wait, this address looks familiar. <laughs> but no, he's wearing the camo dad hat, which is, uh, you don't have to be a dad to wear, obviously. No, it's a nice hat. I like it. Yeah, it's super comfy. I have one, too. Yeah, go check those out. Go in the shop. Use podcast20 for 20% off. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Be sure to smash that five-star button. Tell us what we're doing wrong. Tell us what we're doing right. As always, go check out these guys on social media, The Way We Hunt. And when you're done checking out their social media profiles and YouTube channel, Uh go over to the Harvesting Nature page. Give us a like, too. All right, guys. Thanks. Have a good night. A life that has the stories to back it. A life to be proud of. It's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby. 6-8 Western. A mule there, baby. Right there. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.